Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today is going down right here. Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Today is Halloween, October 31st. So we, uh, I hope we don't frighten you. In the next hour, what we're going to do is we got to recap, Scotty, the trade deadline because we're at the top of a new hour. And then we're going to dive on into the week nine matchups here in the NFL and for fantasy football. I also want to have a little housekeeping note. On Wednesdays, there's no Mike Blewett, so we got the King Scott Engel in with us on FST. We take two hours to dissect everything. So don't forget to also, you know, tune into Roto Experts in the morning in the previous hour if you get this out of the podcast. Subscribe to them both. That's all I got to say. As the werewolf howls. Scotty, how you feeling on Halloween? Feeling good. It's, a, it's always a fun day. Absolutely. Let's uh, recap here before we go back into the games. For those of you who are a new audience here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network at the top of the hour, there were uh, five trades that we want to talk about, Scotty. Uh, Golden Tate to Philly, Demarius Thomas to Houston, Ty Montgomery to Baltimore, uh, Dante Fowler to the Rams, and HaHa Clinton Dix to the Washington football team. We've been zoning in on Golden Tate as one of these biggest moves. You think it fits perfectly for the Philadelphia offense? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, it adds a new dimension, not necessarily a missing piece. You have, you have uh, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, who's that jump ball end zone kind of guy, and they throw to him on a lot of key downs. And of course, Zach Ertz is their number one pass catcher. But you know, this gives them a guy who's always been great after the catch, possession guy, key downs, high percentage, high catch rate, etc. Just adds another dimension, I think, to the passing game, and even. I think it bumps up his fantasy value a bit here, and uh, I think it also helps Carson Wentz as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the Detroit side of things, they lose Golden Tate, but we think that this just clears the path for our guy Galladay to kind of bounce back. He had been kind of getting lost in the mishmash over the last couple of weeks, but it looks like Galladay and Marvin Jones are now locked in as the two biggest target getters in Detroit. Yeah, that that's for sure. You know, Jones had a really good day last week. And, and, and fantasy-wise, you know, it, it's very, very encouraging uh, because, you know, Galladay was, was kind of tailing off, and I think they really want to get him involved in the passing. We talked so much about why Demarius Thomas was traded. Golden Tate was moved not because he was declining necessarily, but just, you know, they really wanted to get Galladay, I think, more of a uh, of a of a big look there. Yep, and that's kind of the similar thing as we saw with his Demarius Thomas trade. He goes to the Houston Texans, in essence, trying to replace some of the production that they got out of Will Fuller. You talk about how, you know, in Detroit, it clears the way for Kenny Galladay. In Denver, it looks like the big news here is that it clears the way potentially for first-round pick out of SMU, Cortland Sutton, to do some work here in the Denver passing game. 
Yes, yeah, certainly. And, I, you know, everybody reacted to this right away on waivers. And uh, it really depends on your waiver system. You know, if you want to get Sutton here, uh, you know, if you have Fab, I'd spend like if you really, really need wide receiver help, I'm not against spending like forty to forty-four dollars on him. If if you're desperate for wide receiver help and you play in rolling waivers and you don't have the first or second pick, there's only one way to do it creatively. If you you have some surplus at tight end or running back, like say you have Jared Cook and O.J. Howard, why not offer in a trade? I'll trade you one of these guys for your top waiver pick this week. Yep, yep. There's always ways to be creative. I like that. Using the waiver pick as an asset, uh, depending on the settings in your league. I'm talking about Cortland Sutton a little bit, Scott. Honestly, uh, you know, the DFS prices are set on Monday. Um, and then the trading deadline happens. You can get Cortland Sutton over on FanDuel this week for $5,500. I think that is a must uh include in your lineups this week, right? Cortland Sutton is a value at 5500 this week. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's going to get in there right away. He's going to have a role, and I think he's going to be a major red zone target. All right, let's talk about Ty Montgomery going to Baltimore for a seventh-round pick. Not much impact on the Green Bay side. On the Baltimore side, though, do you expect – how do you expect Ty Mont to kind of mix into this committee now with Alex Collins and Buck Allen? I think Buck Allen could sacrifice a little bit here. What do you say? Not so sure about that. You know, they like him having a role there. Uh, you know, he's he's been in that role for two years now. I think this makes this more of a committee because – I don't know if Ty Montgomery replicates Buck Allen as much as some people think just because of his wide receiver background. You know, he's more of a big physical runner than they have anybody there. So I think it adds another dimension. I I believe they they don't feel that they have the one running back they could have because when you have a superstar running back, like you look at a Todd Gurley, you know, he's physical. He catches passes. He's quick. You know, a a team like the Ravens, they got. They have the quickness from from Alex Collins. They have the pass catching ability from Buck Allen. But the one thing they're missing is a physical presence in that backfield. So this might become a pure committee. Yeah, and listen, the Ravens are doing a committee at pretty much all positions. You know, you talk about their running back now committee. At tight end, they go at it now with multiple guys, the Mark Andrews, the Hayden Hurts, the Max Williams, the Nick Boyles. You know, and at wide receiver, they're a herd as well. You know, Crabtree, Sneed, and John Brown. They are really just trying to cobble it together in Baltimore, but it's enough right now to still be in contention in the AFC North. And then there was some uh, defensive moves, Scotty. Dante Fowler goes to the Rams, and HaHa Clinton Dix goes to the Washington Football Team. Of those two moves, which ones do you help? Uh, do you think helped an NFC defense that's in first place? Both of these teams are in first place in their NFC division. Which of these two defensive moves do you think was bigger? Uh, I'd probably say the HaHa Clinton Dix one. Uh, they did the, the, the Washington defense playing very, very good, but uh, you know they're having some problems at safety. I think that solidifies that. You know, meanwhile, Green Bay is the fifth-worst pass defense in the NFL, and maybe they're looking at it as addition by subtraction. You know, we, uh, you know, if we we went and watched the film, you know, maybe we would see worse play from Ha Clinton Dix than just what we saw in the red zone channel. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this, Scott. Uh, 
Golden Tate and Demarius Thomas, right, are two, like, starting caliber wide receivers in the NFL. Golden Tate goes for a third-round pick. DT goes for a fourth-round pick. And I'm reminded of last week when Amari Cooper got dealt, but the price there was a first-round pick. If you're the Dallas Cowboys today, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, are you confused or upset in any way that it looks like you could have got Golden Tate for a third, Demarius Thomas for a fourth, yet you spent a first-round pick to get Amari Cooper. I understand that Amari Cooper is 24 years old, and Golden Tate and Demarius Thomas are far older than that, but um, otherwise, is that the only reason for the price tag being so much in that deal? Or did Dallas misread the market because there were other starting caliber wide receivers that went for third and fourth round picks, and they just spent the first rounder last week? Jerry Jones was like a mainstream fantasy football owner. He was reactionary. He, right. he, he, he obviously overpaid for Amari Cooper. You know, maybe he could have given up. Maybe Cooper would have been the best one out there, although I would rather have Golden Tate. But he could have gave up a second or third round pick. He acted very quickly out of desperation because he felt like it made a mistake, and he just couldn't watch anymore what happened against Washington when they sold out against the run in Ezekiel Elliott. He made a big mistake by you know by dropping Des Bryant the way he did and not effectively replacing him during the offseason because Des Bryant commanded a lot of defensive respect. Now look, Amari Cooper will will get that defensive respect for sure. sure. So they you know they've they've corrected the mistake. But they were reactionary, and they certainly overpaid to do it, whereas, you know, they could have got maybe a Golden Tate, you know, a, a week later. The and I, Thomas, I think yeah. any NFL general manager, I might rather have Cooper than Thomas, but of any receiver I would want, I think, I think it would be Tate, you know, because we haven't seen with Amari Cooper that we could trust him. Yeah, they could say what they want publicly, and he's 24 years old, blah, 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 et cetera. Right. But, you know, if they want to win that division, Golden Tate would have helped them right away. You know, Jerry Jones is not a personnel guy. This team is ne- – ever since Jimmy Johnson has left, you know, the questionable personnel move after questionable personnel move, an owner who's traded for guys like Roy Williams and Joey Galloway, uh, you know, Jerry Jones is not an experienced guy. Steven Jones doesn't help too much either. So I think they overreacted, and it was kind of amateurish. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not a slight on Amari Cooper. Like, he is an asset who can address the need. My concern is more the price they paid for it when you now see what the kind of, like, market value was for these kind of guys. And Dallas had a buy last week. They could have waited. You know, it's not like they had another game last Sunday that they had to make this move now for. They could have waited to the trade deadline and had a better sense of the market. I think it was smart for them to go get a wide receiver and Cooper fits the bill and addresses the need. I just think they misread the market and overpaid with a first round pick. It seems like a third round pick could have been the going rate and could have got it done. And if there was competition for Cooper, a second round pick could have got it done. Probably they, however, went and spent a first round pick, a much bigger asset. Let's go on over, though, Scotty, to another game. Listen, with the trade deadline happening yesterday and this kind of flurry of moves, one of the things that's kind of, I think, getting buried this week is the fact that the Browns will have a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, 
They are at home, and their offense better start humming because they got the Kansas City Chiefs coming to town. So they're going to have to, this new offensive coordinator, this new play calling, they're going to have to put up 30 if they want to win. I don't think it's going to happen. They are, however, getting nine and a half points at home, Scotty. Is that enough for you to take the home dog? I want to hear your opinion on it for a second. You want to hear me first? Yeah. Um, sure. Sure. No problem. Uh, I think the Chiefs will win this game. Okay? I think the Chiefs will win this game. However, I'm not betting this game. Okay, because the nine and a half points to me is a lot. I don't get me wrong. I think the Chiefs will win. But to your point, Scott, you've said this all the time, right? Uh, the team's dangerous with their back against the wall. Maybe they come out and galvanize the team. Maybe they play for Greg Williams or the new offensive coordinator. I think there's the potential for some of that. And I also think there's the potential for the Kansas City Chiefs to kind of see this as this could be a trap kind of game, you know, one of those trap games for a number of reasons so I think that the Chiefs will win the game but I would not lay the nine and a half points I could see this surprisingly being closer than Vegas expects I'm going to take the Chiefs uh, I don't see this as a trap game for them because despite you know all the hype about them I don't think they firmly established themselves as a, as a, a real contender yet uh how am I trying to say Chiefs? this? The Chiefs. I, 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 think, I think they're still the building. The Chiefs are not a real contender? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Let me, let okay. me rephrase this. I think the Chiefs, you know, this is, this is a new era of winning for them. And I believe, you know, that there's a focus there that we have to beat who we're supposed to beat. It's just, it's just a sense that I get about the Chiefs that, you know, that they're not going to lay back. You know, they're not they're not like the Patriots. The Patriots have been there forever. You know what I'm saying? The Chiefs are new at winning. So I I, I don't think know that that's true, are, Scott. The Chiefs have been in the playoffs year in, year out. They haven't gone like they haven't no, won the no, Super it's, Bowl. No, it's different. I'm talking about I'm talking about a different level of winning. I'm, t- I'm not talking about the deepest they ever got in the playoffs was around. I, I the best way that I can say this and thanks for bearing with me is the Chiefs are new at being an elite team. And I think when you're new at being an elite team, it's I think it's kind of tough to take that for granted. You know, that all of a sudden the Chiefs are better than they've ever been, and I just don't see a trap game biting up and you know and biting them in the ankle here. So, uh, to try to clarify, because I, I am I, I must admit I'm a little bit confused here, but what I will say, what it sounds like you're saying is the Chiefs have now ascended into the more elite level of winning. Yes. And in that level, at that level, that kind of team does not get tripped up by this kind of trap game. And so you think they roll in Cleveland this week? Right, because you can't be a real contender if you get a, tripped up by a trap game. That, okay, then so that, put, that, that puts you back into the, uh, as John Leguizamo once said, you. the also rounds poppy. So I understand that, but let's yeah. – and, and, and okay, that makes sense to me, Scott. But what about when you add the condition of a 10-point spread? You know what I mean? Because they could not fall into the trap game, you know, idea, right, and still win this game 30-23 to 23 and not cover the spread or 30-21 to 21 and not cover the spread. I understand what you're saying, and the first thing I did say was I think the Chiefs will win this game. But what about the 10-point spread, Scott? 
I'm still going to take the Chiefs. I just think they're that much yeah. better than Cleveland. Now, look, a lot, a lot of times, a, a lot, a lot of times, you know, I, I will, I will say that, you know, that what we talked about is, uh, you know, there's a coaching change and the team might play inspired, but then sometimes right. I think, you know, that there's been so much change going on with Cleveland, and that. I think things might take a little while to shake out. You got to judge every situation. And are they really ready to face the Chiefs after a coaching change here and getting rid of the coordinator? I think that's a lot to ask. All right, so let's talk about this, though. You know, we have been attacking the Kansas City Chiefs defense for fantasy purposes earlier in the season. And now what does this mean as they figure it out? What does this mean for Jarvis Landry? What does this mean for David and Joku when six teams are on a bye? Both Colts are on a bye, right? Zach Ertz is on a bye. You have some tight ends that you need to find replacements for. David and Joku has been toiling there but got zero last week. You know, we like the matchup against Kansas City. Does this improve the outlook for David Njoku, for Jarvis Landry, for Baker Mayfield, and others for this week against a defense who has been in shootouts left and right this season? Jarvis Landry is a must-start wide receiver, too, against everybody. So, What about Njoku? You know, that's, what about know, Njoku? Njoku? Njoku, you know, real good opportunity, obviously, for a bounce-back game. And, uh, you know, Nick Chubb, the, you know, the schedule is clearing up for him now. This this makes you really like Nick Chubb. And if you got Andrew Luck on a bye, you know, you can consider Baker Mayfield this week. All right. I think Njoku is really the interesting one, Scott, you know, because we talk about the tight end position. He got zero last week, but you're you're okay with running him back out there at home against Kansas City? Yeah, you know what? This is the state of tight end like we talked about. And six guy could have zero for one week, and this is a good opportunity for a guy to get in the end zone like that. All right, fair enough. That sounds good. Here, Scotty, listen up, man. We've had two hours, but we've been talking so much about the trade deadline and others that we've got a lot of games to still get to. We are going to go through them all when we come back. You know, we got NFC South matchups with Tampa Bay and Carolina. We have an intriguing, to me, NFC matchup with Atlanta and Washington. And then we know about the big-time games later on in the day. Rams Saints, Packers Patriots. Intriguing matchups in division as well. We will get into them. Early leans, fantasy potential. When we come back, it's FSC, Dane and Scott. Make sure you come on back and join the show if you want as we put the fun and functional sports radio. Come on right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. back fsc fantasy sports today right here on the fantasy sports radio network it's a wednesday so we're taking the time to preview the matchups in week nine dane martinez and the king scott angle number six teams are on by the trading deadline just happened we gave you our takeaways and reactions and now let's apply them 
to these games, Scotty. I also want to let people know, though, they got to go on over to DailyRoto.com. I mean, the Major League Baseball Optimizer helped people win thousands and millions all season long. The NFL Optimizer, which is going on, we've hit a milli maker already. We've won hundreds of thousands of dollars with Colin Drew and many subscribers. The NBA Lineup Optimizer, don't sleep on it, it is also available as the NBA kicked off about a week and a half ago. All right. If you're hooked, you can buy the DailyRoto.com Elite Package giving you access to year-round to the suite of successful tools and projections that DailyRoto.com subscribers have been using to basically print money in all sports, including PGA, all right? So if you're not using this, you're at a competitive disadvantage. Go on over to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tab, and check out what the Elite Package has to offer. Also, enter the promo code FNTSY, and you'll get a special discount. Scotty, huge game in the AFC North this week in Baltimore. This rivalry, we know it has a physical rivalry when the Steelers and Ravens get together, uh, the Ravens are three-point favorites at home. I think we know the deal here. Uh, you don't think necessarily Ty Montgomery has a huge impact. Which wide receiver for Baltimore would you want to start if you could have all three? Which wide receiver do you want to own? On one side, I would think John Brown has the deep, big play touchdown potential. But to me, honestly, if I want to be safe with six teams on a bye, for me, the answer is Willie Sneed, who's more consistent as a chain mover. Which Ravens wide out do you like the best? I would, I would go with Brown. You know, always the possibility of a touchdown here. And, you know, the Steelers could certainly give up uh, give up big plays here. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any ceiling. No, there's no upside for Willie Steed, really. And, uh, you know, the same thing. Right, for, it's a safer floor play. Yeah, it's a safer floor play. But is, is it really, though? Because when you look at the fact that Pittsburgh Sneed, has yes, the 31st. Sure no. Sneed and Crabtree are pretty much pretty much the same guy, except Crabtree might have a better shot for a touchdown here and there, although both of neither one of them get in the end zone. But when you look at the fact that Pittsburgh has the worst pass defense in the entire AFC, it's almost so easy to bank on a John Brown touchdown that he might have the higher floor. Yeah, I mean, but you do need that touchdown or that big play for him to realize that potential. I understand when you're talking about he's against Pittsburgh, he's got as better shot as any against any team in the AFC. I think Pittsburgh, we know what we're going to get. We know about Connor. We know about these wideouts. We know about Vance McDonald, how while he may, we may have oversold him a bit, as I mentioned, six teams on by. You have Doyle and Ebron on by. You know, you have uh, guys like Zach Ertz on a buy. You have Evan Ingram on a buy. So you got to think about that. Um, we do have, however, reports, Scotty, that Ben Roethlisberger is dealing with a little bit of an injury. What is it, like a, a broken finger on his non-throwing hand? Do I have that right? Yeah, it's a fractured left index finger. But, uh, you know, Tomlin was saying, you know, maybe we'll have him out or scale him out of some practices just for precautionary, but he was able to finish the game with it last week, and in no way does he expect him to, to be an issue on Sunday. So we don't think this uh, we don't think this is something we need to worry about with Big Ben. Uh, the, not the way Tomlin's talking about it. It's it's not on his throwing hand. So uh, I think Ben, you know, we've seen over his career, he plays through a lot of injuries. Uh, he'll he'll be used to it. You know, he's the guy that gets shot up and go out there. You know, it's uh, a lot. A lot of times, you know, it's it's really really about pain tolerance. As much as we enjoy inside injuries and they tell us things and maybe they're ahead of the curve. When you look at their optimal recovery times and et cetera and expected heal dates, you know, it's 
that doesn't take into account pain tolerance and what a guy can play through. Right. And obviously, Ben's had a very high pain tolerance throughout his career. Yeah, sure, and it doesn't hurt that they shoot him up with some pain, with some pain medication either. As we keep it moving, another divisional matchup, Scotty, this time in the NFC South. Tampa Bay travels to Carolina to take on the Panthers. To me, these are teams heading in opposite directions, Scott. The Panthers are a dumpster fire, making quarterback changes, trying to reclaim the Fitz magic. They've already fired their defensive coordinator. And honestly, don't look now, but the Panthers are a legit playoff contender in the NFC. Scott, Cam Newton's biggest issue for his entire career, Scott, has been his accuracy, his completion percentage. You know, he's around like a 55% completion rate, which is not what you're looking for. This year, however, under North Turner, Scott, Cam Newton has a 66-67% completion percentage. He's getting the ball out to guys like Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, our new guy, DJ Moore, the rookie, in space where they are able to make plays. He has all reliable, you know, Greg Olson there when he needs him in the red zone. This Panther offense I think is trending in the right direction and when you hear about the Rams and the Saints don't forget about the Panthers in the NFC I think the Panthers are primed to really uh you know put some more nails in Dirk Cutter's coffin yeah it's 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 kind of like the they're the chargers of the of the NFC where sure. people talk like about analogy. the contenders they talk about the top contenders but that's the team that they leave out uh, because I, yep. I believe you know, especially after what happened in the, the Super Bowls, changed perceptions. And what, what happened with Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, I don't think sure. you know people have ever given him the same respect since that MVP year. But you know the completion percentage is there, and you know DJ Moore, who adds a unique dimension, much like a Golden Tate uh, to that offense. He's a he's a missing piece right. there, and he's a great pickup this week. He's a great start this week. And, uh, look, Tampa Bay desperately needs this game, but Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, at quarterback against, uh, against a team right now that has, has uh, you know, that they're just playing really, really well. They're 11th in pass defense. They're not terrible. They're not, they're not, they're not elite, but I think good enough, you know, to get turnovers here. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I haven't made it official just yet, but to me, the Panthers are viable. If you haven't used them yet, I think they're a viable survivor pick this week. Right, Scott? Would you agree with that? Certainly. But, you know, you never know in a divisional game. But Division I, I game and all that stuff, and the magic could also be there. But, like, you know, the Panthers, I think, are starting to roll, and the Panthers are a very formidable squad at home, Scott. You know, the Panthers at home do work, and this game will be in Carolina. you have anything else on this game, Scotty? Uh, I, would, I would note that, you know, maybe that Christian McCaffrey is a, is a really good daily play because uh, Tampa Bay – uh, you know, has the worst run defense in the NFL. All right. Fair enough. Okay, a lot of potential there. And listen, Cam Newton also going up against this defense, and you love his rushing touchdown potential as well. Cam Newton, to me, is a very interesting DFS play. You could get Cam Newton. Uh, he is the second 
highest quarterback on the board. However, he is a full $1,000 cheaper than Patty Mahomes, at least over on FanDuel. Next game, Scotty, the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 go down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. What I want to ask you about is my man Isaiah Crowell, Scott. Now, I know he's been inconsistent. I know he's had games of like 30 rushing yards. I also know he has a Jets franchise record over 200 yards in a game. I look at the Miami defense, Scott. Last week, Lamar Miller ran for 130-plus yards, and somehow they got zero sacks on Deshaun Watson, and, and the Houston offensive line was made to look like, oh, maybe they're turning a corner. The week before that, Kerryon Johnson ran for 150-plus yards for a team that hasn't had a 100-yard rusher in years since Kerryon Johnson has now done it twice this season. I lined that up, and when I see the Jets you know, kind of struggling at wide receiver with a ton of injuries where even a tight end like Chris Herndon can be on the waiver radar. And you know Bilal Powell is already out on IR. This sets up to me for Isaiah Crowell to be a very good use in DFS this week. Yeah, I think so. You know, they've gotten torn up against the run recently too. I believe in like four of the last five games they've allowed like a a 95-yard rusher. Uh, when you look at Miami overall, you know, when they are in the rankings, and by the way, I was wrong on Tampa Bay, uh, correction on that. But when you look at Miami and, uh, you know, they're middle of the pack, but they're worse than that. So uh, I like Crowell. You never can tell. You know, but, uh, but I think whenever the Miami and the Jets get together, you know, it's a very spirited game. I think both teams believe, believe they really, really need this game. Uh, the one thing I will say is, you know, Miami's at home, and sometimes, you know, that heat can, you know, be something of a home field advantage. You know, that's the one thing. Right. Can can Isaiah Crowell, you know, have the sort of stamina to wear it out for four quarters? I don't know, but he could break off a long run. You know, that also could happen. And, you know, much to your credit, you know, you started talking about it last week when we were people talking about Isaiah Crowell. I mean, uh, about Trenton Cannon is that maybe Elijah Maguire gets activated this week and could be really, really sneaky daily play, or even a desperation pickup as well. Yep, I've been trying to get ahead of it, and Elijah Maguire, I think, is going to be that guy that plays that role with with. Crowell in, in the timeshare. I think that's the right answer, not necessarily Trenton Cannon, but I digress. Let's get into this next game. Interesting game in the NFC, Scott. Really is. And, you know, this idea of we're not giving the Washington football team enough credit. Atlanta comes to town off a bye, but Atlanta comes in. Um, the Washington team is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. We know about this one. You know, Adrian Peterson, we know about. Hey, Scotty, could Jamison Crowder might be coming back this week. I want to find, is there any opportunity for some of this Washington passing game? Because listen, we know about the Atlanta Falcons pass defense. They've lost their safeties. They've lost their coverage linebacker. They are a team who are usually in shootouts themselves. Is there any opportunity for the Washington passing game this week? Do you like any of, you know, Paul Richardson, Jamison Crowder, if he returns? I know you've been down on Jordan Reed, but you know, they give it up to the tight end. Is there anybody you have your eye on in the Washington pass game? Uh, no, not really. Just because the matchup mm. looks attractive on paper, you know, doesn't mean that, you know, Washington is going to go away from what they do. Their strength right now is, is, uh, running the ball. And I, I, I just can't look at a matchup and say, you know, okay, they're going to take advantage of it. 
I, I don't have the confidence that that it can happen. I don't. No matter what the matchup is, I don't want a piece of this passing game at all. Look, look. Uh, Atlanta ranks 30th against the pass right now, but I just don't think I don't think Washington can take advantage of that whatsoever. All right, so we'll see. Listen, I would be shocked. Is, uh, I would be shocked if this is a lower scoring game. Actually, if this is what a lower scoring game, a lower or the lowest, a lower scoring game. Oh, okay, fair enough. Okay, and that's fine because and and but I I had cause for pause when you said the lowest because I go to the next game on the slate, no, Scott, lower. <laughs> and this. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to make sure because I this is what I was going to ask you about the next game on the slate. We talk about 2018, right, where totals are going crazy. Points are being scored. I think – I don't know if I told you or I told Mike Blewett to, like, never let me pick an under in the NFL again this year. But, Scotty, this next game, I think this is the lowest total I've seen in the NFL all year. The Chicago Bears – go to Buffalo to take on the Nathan Peterman-led Buffalo Bills. The Bills are 10-point home dogs, but, Scotty, the over-under for this game is 37. That's the lowest I've seen all season. We know about the Bills' ineptitude on offense. We know about the Bears' defense. 37 is the total. Part of me would want to take the under. Listen, the Bills just got finished playing the New England Patriots, and that was 24 to 6. That total was 30. And in this game, you know, the Bears have a worse offense than the Patriots, but a better defense than the Patriots. Should I bet the under on this game at 37, Scott? I think you can because, you know, the Bills are maybe not. That's crazy. Scored more than 12 points. I, yeah, I know, but like, and I don't think the Bears are going to light it up necessarily either on a road game, but I'm just like, I've got too many scars from betting unders in the NFL this season, Scott. You know what I mean? I think that's the, ba- that's the Bears. Issue. The Bears The Bears could light it up, but, you know, you're talking 37 points. You know, they could they could still win this game, say, 27 to 6. Right. Yes, that's to be quite honest, that's exactly what I expect. <laughs> you know, if you ask me to try and nail the score right now, I would say 24 to 9 will be the score of this game, you know, but it's just it's very interesting. Let me ask you though something. Um the Bills clearly have no offense to speak of, right? But what I don't get, I I, I honestly Scott, I don't get LaShawn McCoy is only 6200 in DFS this week. He's literally like the 20th or the 25th highest score uh, price. He's cheaper this week than Dalvin Cook. He's cheaper this week than Austin Eckler. I mean, I know that the Bills offense is not going to be that productive, but LaShawn McCoy is getting wildcat snaps. He's going to get dump-offs and garbage time. Even if the Bills offense on the whole gets something like 225 yards, I think I can safely say LaShawn McCoy will be 50% of that. I still think he's viable in DFS. Talk to me about Shady this week. I don't think he's viable in DFS because there's no upside there. And you have to have upside in DFS, especially if you're playing in a tournament. Now, with six teams on a bye, in seasonal, I think I think you look at that. You know, the Bears have uh, one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL, so it could be another game for lower yardage. Uh, you know, they have the third best run defense in the NFL. 
So, and LaShawn McCoy after the game was like, how many yards did I have? I think that's the worst that I've ever had in my career. Wow. So, uh, you know, it could be another game with very low yardage for him overall. Uh, not just rushing, but maybe, rushing maybe receiving. Yeah. He had 13 so, rushing yards, but he had 12 and a half fantasy points because he caught six balls for 82 yards. You know, Scott, so that's going to count also. I don't think that's something the kind I, of game I, script we're talking about. I, I don't think that's something you can count on. And I don't think we could talk about game script because this team is not equipped to play catch-up. Right. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. I think that's my point, Scott. And so, look, they're not equipped to play catch-up. What they're going to do is what they did last week. A lot of dump-offs and safeness, but that's LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, but the Bears are going to watch the film, and they're going to be ready for that. I don't think you can count on six catches for 80, 82 yards again. It could be it could be five for 37. It could be. I just think I, I'm, I think LaShawn McCoy is a value here. He is the 24th most expensive running back uh, this week, and I think that's a little bit too far. Um, on, the, on the Bears' side— I don't side, want a DFS uh, part of any running back who I feel has a very low chance to get in the end zone. Yeah, but it's all relative to their price tag. You know what I mean? But I, I understand what you're saying. I don't think he's going to score a touchdown. I'll pivot off of it. But I do yeah. think there's a path. I do think there's a path for him to outperform his cost here uh, because of, you know, A, there's nothing else in Buffalo. And B, I, I foresee a lot of dump offs just like we saw last week. But 30 seconds, Scott, real quick with Chicago. Who's the wide receiver you care about here? You know, Tyler Gabriel had some flashes. Allen Robinson has been banged up. Are there any wide receivers in Chicago that you like? Nobody can count on with Allen Robinson not healthy. I think maybe a bounce back week for Trey Burton. All right. Uh, we got a couple more games to go through, Scotty. When we come back, we'll look at them all. It is a sprint until we hand it over to Carton and Friends here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane and Scott, we break down all the games we can when we come back. Join us after the break. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. FST on a Halloween. We're having a little bit of fun here with the King Scott Angle, who apparently likes to eat uh, candy corn in three different sections. Let me know on Twitter at ScottyRotoX, at SpinSpeeds, what your favorite Halloween candy is, and if you uh, eat it with a knife and fork or if you just down it whole. Scotty, we got a couple of games left to go, so let's bounce around to them. Um, Houston Texans go to the Denver Broncos. The uh, Broncos are home dogs. This surprised me, Scott. This surprised me that Denver was plus one at home. I got to tell you something. Uh, remember how I just got finished saying that, you know, the Houston Texans offensive line looked good against the Miami front? Well, it's a different class of pass rush. 
that the Texans are going to be facing with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. This is a different defense, Denver at home. So I kind of revert back to my concerns on the offensive line. Demarius Thomas will be new uh, to this offense, going against people he's very familiar with. You think Houston's going to move the ball just like we saw on Thursday night, or is this Denver defense a different level of competition? Uh, Denver's defense has been overrated for a while now. It's uh, you know it's, they're not a shutdown unit. They're they're very they're very very inconsistent, and they they can give up a lot of yardage and a lot of points in any given week. So I'm not scared of the Denver defense at all. They do have a good pass rush, like you say, 24 sacks. But you know that Houston that Houston offensive line played better last week. Uh, yeah, but that was good I don't, I don't think you. Yeah, against Miami, you know, Miami obviously much less for pass rush, like you say, but I don't think we could fear the Denver defense either. So Deshaun Watson, no five touchdown passes, but you know this offense is gonna is going to move the ball, and they they can gash Denver on the ground. You know that's the way to do it. Uh, you know Denver's run defense has been bad all year. Uh, you're the twenty seventh ranked, so uh, I think it's a good game for Lamar Miller, and but maybe only two touchdown passes for Deshaun Watson. Interesting. Uh, you know, as you know, Demarius Thomas got traded from Denver to Houston. Who do you think has the edge in that kind of matchup? Clearly, let's say it's Chris Harris Jr. or let's say it's Bradley Roby, whoever it is, right? That's on him. These guys face each other in practice and have for the last three or four years, right? Who has that advantage in that kind of familiar matchup? A wide receiver going up against the cornerbacks that he knows, or a cornerback going against the wide receiver that he knows? I think when you take this thing on an individual basis, you definitely give the secondary the edge because this is Demarius Thomas's first game with his new team. So the secondary has the edge. Okay. Uh, let's keep it moving here because we've got a couple more games to discuss before I pass it off to Carton and friends. Another game I think is pretty interesting. The Chargers, coming off their bye, go to Seattle, the Pacific Northwest, to take on the Seahawks. Scotty, I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, and I'm, try- I'm not trying to be mean to your team, I think the Seattle team is like, you know, a decent team. Okay, I think they are a decent team. I don't think they're one of the top teams in the NFL. I think they're a decent team. So for me, and you know how I feel about the Chargers, I think the Chargers are, to your point, one of these contenders that don't get spoken about as much. I think the Chargers are on a slightly higher tier than the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL this year. So I'm okay with thinking the Chargers can go into Seattle and win this game off their bye. How do you feel about this game? I think the I, I think you know you're right on point. You know I'm not going to be offended by it whatsoever. I'm not here to talk about okay. who I like as like as a fan. You know the uh, yep. but I think the fact that the you know look the you look at the two teams. You could say the Chargers are like top three in the AFC. You can't say that about the Seahawks. Yep. Uh, you know I would project the Chargers maybe for twelve wins and the Seahawks for ten at this point. So you know obviously right. they're That's not on the same level, but I think. Tier. Yeah, I I'm agree with you, but I think I think home field advantage and momentum right. are are on the Seahawks side, so it evens things out. It which is probably the best game of the week outside of Green Bay, New England, and New Orleans, and uh, yeah. and the Rams. Yeah, got two, so two above five hundred. Yeah, and the Chargers, the, yeah. the Chargers have the 18th ranked pass defense. The Seahawks don't throw the ball a lot. Obviously, 43 attempts for Russell Wilson right. in the last three games, but. 
you know, they're going to take their shots. 16th-ranked run defense. They give up 106 yards per game. I think the Seahawks will be able to impose their offensive will here. And the Seahawks' defense has been playing really, really good. But, you know, this is a test for them, I think, against Phillip Rivers and, and Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So this is going to be a very highly competitive game where I think both teams are going to score in the mid-20s. And it's going to come down to which quarterback is clutch, you know, at the end of the game. Yep. Well, what's the line on this game? Uh, Seattle is a one-point favorite, so Vegas thinks it's going to be a very Ooh. close game as well. The total they have is at 48, so right where you're saying, kind of in the mid-20s for both teams. I think Vegas sees it. This is a game I'm going to avoid. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like I, the I over. Agree. I like the over, but this is a total game to avoid yep. because you know Wide you have range two of really in this one. Really good yep. quarterbacks. If if I you had to push me to a wall and I say who would be more prone to make the mistake. In the clutch, I think it might be Rivers, but you can't count on that. All right, let's keep it moving in this game. Listen, I think it's very interesting. The last thing I'll mention about this game, but I do want to move on, Scott, is it's hard for me to get behind any of these Seattle receivers, Lockett, Baldwin, even now David Moore, because to your point, they are running the ball so much more. Like you said, Russell Wilson with 40-some-odd completions in his last three games. You know, it's interesting. It, the, Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks are now trying to run the ball a lot more. we got to keep it moving, though, Scott, because we do have three Real games quick, it's, left. Real it's quick, about, about, it's not about volume. When you look at Tyler Lockett's got six touchdown receptions and six teams on a bye, you still got to roll them out. All right, let's talk about Sunday Night Football, the Packers and the Patriots. We have been talking about this matchup. We know, uh, we know most of the key players here, right? I want to ask you, what is Josh Gordon's role here for the New England Patriots? You know, I mean, I think, personally, Scott, he is going to be a better NFL player. He's better for the Patriots than he is for your fantasy team. He's able to take the top off. He's able to play that role. But it's to allow guys like Edelman and Gronk to eat underneath. Um, what do you think is Josh Gordon's fantasy viability at this point in time? I know he's growing in opportunity, but are you safe and comfortable with Gordon? Uh, I think there's a lot of upside with Gordon and his role is as a big play receiver. It's kind of boom or bust. Now, you look at Green Bay. they got the fifth-ranked pass defense in the NFL, but they've, they've played worse against that, you know, against the Rams, and it could happen against the Patriots too. So, uh, you know, especially with Clinton Dix. And Wait, Chiefs they have the fifth-ranked pass defense? Yeah, the by the numbers. They have the fifth-ranked pass defense? Yeah, 222 so passes. So why the hell are they game. trading ha-ha Clinton Dix away? Why the hell are they trading away ha-ha Clinton Dix from the fifth-best pass defense in the NFL? Because after what happened last week, they don't feel they can contend with who they have on the back end there. That's that's it's really confusing to me. I they know want they know they want they want to be on a certain level with the Rams, and they don't feel like they're secondary as it is. They got torched last week that they can contend at where they want to be with the way the secondary was. That's the way I can answer it. Right, I, I understand, and I hear you, Scott. I'm not trying to argue, but like at the same time, if you're a baseball team, right, and kind of contending, and you say what you want to do is you need starting pitching, you don't trade away your number two starter. It's just, it's just weird to me. But I digress. Let me ask you about what this. if your number two um, starter is not is not performing as well as you want, and you really like the guy? Yeah, you, you have still in the keep bullpen. him on the roster. You can still keep him on the roster. You can make that decision without losing the guy altogether. Like, there's other options here. You could bench the guy if you think it's that bad uh, instead of trading him. You never know what might happen. Let's say you get an injury. You won't get anything to return from on the bench. 
You won't get anything yeah, returned Scott, from on the bench. A, Scott, they got a they got a uh, you know they got like a conditional draft pick like two years from now or something like that. It's not. I mean, it's got to be but, something internal. Like we gotta, yeah, we got to move on. We, we got to <laughs> move on. It is very very weird to me. I'll say that. We talked. I'll call you up about, about this on the, the uh, freestyle. Sure, sure, that sounds good. Um, we talked a little bit about the Rams and the Saints. The undefeated Rams are underdogs this week, which is very interesting. But with the time we have left, I want to talk really quickly about Monday Night Football. Titans and Cowboys. I think this is interesting. Both teams coming off their bye. My question for you is what should we spe- expect out of Amari Cooper in his Cowboys debut? I think we can expect a little bit of fireworks here. I know Tennessee you know, has a very good uh, pass defense by the numbers. Uh, you know, it would seem like actually early on in the season, they really did. You know, they, you're talking about uh, you know, Dallas has the third-ranked pass defense. Tennessee has the ninth. But I feel like their defense is going to spend too much time on the field, and Jerry's going to call down. He's going to be, make sure you get damn Amari the ball. And, uh, you know, they're, right. they're going to be throwing it to him. They're going to they're gonna want to hit a big play or two to him. So I think there's some upside there. I think right. it could be like uh, a like a three-catch 80-yard game, you know? So maybe a big play? You get one big play. Like two big, that, two big you know, plays, Jerry but Jones not a lot of catches. <laughs> yeah, like four catches for like t- 75 yards, you know? Yeah, I hear that. I talked to you about the Chicago-Buffalo game and how I was stunned to see a total in the 30s in this day and age in the NFL at 37. Well, the total for this game, Scott, Tennessee and Dallas, is only 40 and a half. Uh, so that's very low as well. There have been times in the past, Scott, where we've talked about the Dallas defense as a viable streamer. Could this be one of those weeks facing a Tennessee offense that just looks like something is off with them? Yeah, it's a good week to stream the Dallas defense, and uh, I think the offense is going to expect more point, more points than than uh, than people might calculate. The Dallas offense. Yeah, the Dallas offense. I like the defense. I like the offense. They play much better at home. So it now they've got a like Barry Cooper Scottie too. On, yeah, it sounds like Scotty on you know national television, Monday night football at home in Dallas. It sounds like you are comfortable laying the six and a half points and taking Dallas minus six and a half against the Titans on Monday night. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right. We'll have the chance to make your official pick on Friday. It sounds like Dallas may be one of them. I'm going to tell you something. Dallas may be be my survivor pick as well. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that one. I think I'm going to go Carolina as a survivor pick. I'd love to take the Bears against Nathan Peterman and the Bills, but I already took them last week. Real quick, with the minute that we have left, Scotty, Rams and Saints, um, huge matchup. Um, I want to ask you, uh, Traquan Smith, are we comfortable with him still as this number two wideout? Do we think he's actually going to produce, or are we kind of like expecting something that may take some more time to actually get fulfilled? I think with you know it's it's inconsistency, but I think you know uh, against this Rams pass defense, you know, they do rank tenth by the numbers, but I th- I think they're more vulnerable than that. I think Drew Brees could hit a big play or two to Traquan Smith, and you know he could have be in line for like a four catch, like ninety yard touchdown sort of day. So I think he's a, he's a nice Bobby plugger. 
Yeah, sneaky play right there. Scotty, this Rams-Saints game has a total of 59 and a half. When we talk tomorrow morning, I think it might be up to 60. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about your rankings as well. That's tomorrow. Have a happy Halloween. Enjoy those candy corns, Scott. Up next is Carton and Friends. We got Gabe Morency, the fantasy executive, and the lovely Michelle Serpico up next on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Enjoy your fantasy day, guys.